to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Kelly Moore. Kelly Moore is the co-founder and CEO of Soulfire Productions, the premier podcast network for thought leaders, free thinkers, and visionaries. She has had two top-rated podcasts, one The Kelly Show and the other OK Babe, which is hilarious, I highly recommend, uh, <laughs> and is deeply passionate about helping people see themselves more clearly. She believes in setting ourselves free from expectations, people pleasing and the stories that hold us hostage in our own lives. She's also an Emmy award-winning former sports TV host with an eye for truth and an ear for bullshit. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. So listeners, if you're tuning in for the first time, we've had some other folks from the Soul Fire Productions podcast network uh like open late with jessica esfondieri definitely go check out those two episodes uh i'm biased but highly recommend uh so anyway happy to have you here and congrats on an awesome network oh thank you yeah i love our host jess is amazing and it's so funny when we started i didn't think that i was gonna have a bunch of sex podcasts that i supported and i feel like half of our shows are talking about fucking i'm like okay this is totally I mean, you must have called this in from the I did, obviously. or something. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't know how this happened. I mean, granted, I like, you know, uh, approve every podcast, but I don't know how this happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so while I was uh, creeping on you and internet stalking you in preparation for our podcast, I saw that you're pregnant. Yes. Um, congratulations as long as you are happy with being pregnant Um, I always like never say congratulations because I like never know if someone like wanted that if that's what's happening so I'm just like you're pregnant yeah. And then I pause to wait and see like how you they give respond. a pregnant pause. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, so I would love to talk a little. We're going to talk about so many things, but talk a little bit about being pregnant and sexuality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, tell me tell me about this journey. Like, how has your sexuality been throughout this pregnancy? Fucking weird. That, that's for sure. Um, so we period. Did, that's it. Next yeah, topic. Period. End of show. Um, no. So we did IVF. So we. This was very planned. Um, so this. We should talk been, about that too. I don't think yeah. I've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. It's um. It's the worst. I'll just say that anyone dealing with in, infertility, in any way, shape, or form, I'm so fucking sorry. Um, I didn't realize until I had to go through it myself. I personally um, don't have any fertility issues. It was actually my husband. He was born without vest deferens, which is the tube that takes the sperm out. So he ejaculates, but no sperm come out. Um, so he couldn't get me pregnant naturally. So we knew from day one that we were going to be doing this, which was fine. But Oh, question about that. And I guess I don't know if you can speak for him or if you're comfortable speaking for him and he's down for that. Yeah. But how was that? Did that affect any of his confidence or feelings? Because I feel like back in the past, they would always look at the woman and be like, it's the woman's fault, but things can happen to penises too. Um, Actually, it's like a very large percentage of infertility is male infertility. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just not talked about enough because high patriarchy. So (laughs) for him, 
it was at first it was just really hard he found out at 27 he knew something felt off he likes to say that he was blowing small loads and he was like i have been really irresponsible and i'm blowing small loads and i feel like i should have gotten someone pregnant by now by accident so i need to go get checked and he was right um mm-hmm. and so he talked to the urologist who actually happened to have the same disorder which is really rare um and mm-hmm. the guy had a kid they had, had gone through ivf he's like don't worry dude like when you get married, you'll do IVF, everything will be fine. And so he had that in the back of his mind, but I think Connor's always wanted to be a dad. And so it was really hard for him because he knew there was a possibility he would never have his own children um, because, Mm -hmm. you know, things have to go perfectly for IVF to work. And so I think he always carried that. Um, Mm. And then once we got into the process, there was a lot of shame and guilt for him because I was having to go through everything. He did have to have a procedure. Uh. But it was Got really it. neat. Um, I was so it was like, it's not his fault, but you're the one who had to deal with right. the consequences. Yeah. And I've already it. been pregnant. I had an abortion right before I met him. So like, I know I'm fertile. I know that I don't have issues. And for him, he just felt so bad because it was, it has been such a struggle for me. Like it was seven months yeah. straight of injections and pills and therapy and procedures and pain mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was extremely suicidal. I didn't want to have the, hor- the hormones. Wow. Yeah, the birth control and then all the hormones on top of it. Um, Fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's actually really common and people don't talk about it. And I felt like yeah. I was a crazy person. And, you know, I've been doing personal development and spiritual work for four plus years now. And I have a lot of tools and resources. You know, I've been in therapy for most of my life for a Same. myriad of reasons. And so it's like you, you do all but the But when work. you're in it so deeply, it's... It- it's so hard to utilize those tools when things are so bad. Yeah. And you just don't see clearly. And so, I mean, I was just curled in a ball calling my girlfriends, thank God, who were amazing being like, I think I should divorce him. I'm not even attracted to him. I don't think I want kids. And they had to like walk me through step by step. And we just got married in October and started IVF in December. So they had to like walk me through like point by point. This is why you married Connor. This is why we love him. This is why everything's okay. This is why you want kids. Like I had to be reminded of all of those things because I completely was just so disassociated from my body and from my own desires and wants and all of that. Um, So it was really hard. And along with that, our sexual life really suffered. So Connor yeah, if you're feeling like I'm suicidal and I want to divorce you, I doubt the sex would be great. Unless, I mean, I guess sometimes it can be spicy when you're like, oh, things aren't going to work out. Now we can fuck. Yeah, that's definitely not our situation. (laughs) Not what happens. (laughs) Dude. Um, Yeah, but we, you know, we're in a monogamous relationship. So we've been having threesomes for the majority of our relationship. And I've had, you know, um, sexual experiences with women by myself and that's like a really foundational piece of who we are it's what our show is about you know it's what we talk about a lot and yeah all of a sudden it was like I was like I don't think I like girls I don't want to fuck my husband I'm screaming at him all the time about god knows what why would he want to have sex with me if I'm like being mean to him about nothing and so it was just like one thing after the next and we felt so disconnected and we just hated each other and it was just awful and like at the same time you're trying to bring life into this world and so it's really confusing and you know well and that's it's so like the opposite of what folks need to get pregnant right like having high amounts of stress hormones like cortisol that's often why people when they're trying it becomes harder because they're stressed and so yes you're maybe getting the hormones to help things like logistically but if you're feeling that way it's really hard for your body 
to be grounded and relaxed enough to actually get pregnant because you're like in survival mode. Exactly. It's like the whole system is fucked. The whole infertility, IVF, IUI, like you name it system is such complete garbage. It's embarrassing. Like they, I, I walked in one day and we were in a really bad place and I was very suicidal. And there's two medications that I had taken. Um, one is birth control and the other is Lupron. And basically Lupron puts you into menopause. And I like wanted to kill myself legitimately. And I walk into wow. the doctor's office for our checkup and I'm like, hey, this is how it's making me feel. This is really scary. Is there anything we can do? I'm like crying to them. And I tell the nurse first and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, let's talk to the doctor, go into the doctor. And she's like, sorry, you're too far in. I can't do anything for you now. And I was just like, and is that actually true? I mean, I don't know, but like just the, I felt like they're herding cattle. It's like, hi, I'm yeah. a person trying to have a baby and I'm just being treated yeah. like a robot that like, you're just making yeah. money from. Like, can you acknowledge, like, she didn't even say, are you in therapy? Are you getting support yeah. from friends? Like, go to Oh, yeah, an infer like, infertility support group or yeah, something. Like, which, hi, I'm doing all of that, which is great. Go me. But, like, also, I expect to be at least asked, how can we support you? Here's my recommendation. It was just like, oh, sorry, you're too far in. And it's just like, that's not okay, you know? And uh, Not, yeah. So... I've just heard. I so mean, I, ta I talk about this on way too many episodes of the podcast, but like it's I understand that like doctors take a lot of classes. They can't specialize in everything, but there needs to be more required classes for mental health and sexual health for all medical professionals. And it's just the amount of horror stories that I hear on these missed opportunities of like humanistic um, informed conversations. It's it's so harmful. Totally. Yeah, Beyond. I agree. Um, so early on before I was on the hormones, so you go on hormones, they do the egg extraction, you come off the hormones and then you take a break. And depending on when you're going to do your transfer, then you go yeah. back on the hormones. So I had like a month that I was off hormones then I went back on them and I decided that that was a really great time for me to plan a foursome for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, could you guys agree to close things when you were doing IVF or you were like, no, let's try to keep going as is like... It was kind of like, we didn't do enough communicating about it, which I regret, mm. but I just like, I wasn't even thinking straight. Um, yeah. So you were like, foursome will definitely help. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like, I was starting to feel a little better uh. and I was just a couple days on this one medication and I was like, okay, this could be, you know, our last chance for like a really long time. Cause we had talked mm -hmm. about you know, closing things up once I got pregnant. Um, yeah. And so I planned this whole thing with two people that we had been with. So it wasn't like brand new, but it was brand new for yeah. all of us to be together. And so it was these two other girls and Connor and I, and I'm literally like this girl, I'm sitting on this girl's face and Connor's next to me with the other one. And I'm literally holding on to the back of the bed, sobbing and shaking. And I'm just trying to like talk myself through it. Like you're safe. Everything's okay. And I was just like, I, I can't do this. I'm not enjoying it. Nothing feels good. Oh. I hate that he's with this person next to me. I feel awful. I was a wreck. And so I had to call it and like, I got up and I, was good, like, I mean, good for you. It's yeah. hard to do that in the moment. Sometimes people freeze and you know, not totally. their fault, but they get yeah. stuck. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. So I was like, I can't do this. So I took Connor downstairs and he's like, what is going on? Like you have been wanting to do this for so long. The girl that I 
I was hooking up with someone like I was super attracted to and is a good friend of mine and it's like very safe. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I like feel so unstable right now. I like cannot control my emotions. I just don't feel good. He's like, well, you need to go talk to them. And it, it turned out to be amazing. They were so sweet. Like I went upstairs and you know, everyone's naked and they're just laying there waiting. They're like, are you okay? And I just was sobbing and they just helped me. And they were like, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, it's not Maybe that's problem. the foursome you needed. You just need to yeah. be held by like four people and right? you cry. That's yeah. the foursome we all need. Yeah. And so I learned right then, like hormones and me and anybody else is a no-go. Um, and, you know, we just had to have some hard conversations and like, what does that mean about yeah. the future? We don't know. I'm in a really good place now. Like I'm more sexually available. I'm horny. Second trimester. Yeah. It's like, let's go. Yeah. My but that fucking sucks. That sucks. It just sucks. And, and like, it's not the same for everyone. And I think that's something doctors need to talk to clients about is like, this is something that could happen because it could also swing the other way. I know some people who were like extremely horny and would be like, let's have foursomes every day. But it's like... It, it depends. And did anyone prep you about like what no. all that could happen? Of course no. not. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, I mean, yeah, not I, that necessarily doctors would be like, just so you know, if you're face sitting uh, and while having a foursome, you might not be okay with that. But at least like, here's some potential sexual side effects. Here's yeah. some emotional, here are resources. Like, yeah, it's, like you're going to feel unstable. You're going to feel out of control. You're going to feel out of your body. No, not one yeah. time. It was just like, this is what you're doing. And I mean, I knew that that was going to be part of it. Connor and I just didn't know how hard it was going to be and how bad it was going to be. And that's one thing we talk about, you know, when we do this again in a couple years for baby number two, like we feel so much more equipped. We don't have to go through seven months of hormones because we already did the extraction. We have the embryos. We just have to do like the pre-pregnancy and that's it. Um, and yeah, so I was going to say, I, I can't believe you're already thinking about doing it again. I mean, like that sounds like a month ago and I was like, I'm never doing this again, ever, fuck <laughs> everybody. No, but yeah. I definitely come around. Like, I'll have I you mean, back. I'll have you back on for baby number two and we'll yeah. see where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want two kids and I know I'll almost be 40 by the time we do this again, um, which yeah. is a little scary to me because I, I never thought I would have kids like into my 40s. But at the same point, you know, we met later in life. We waited to get married, like all those things, which I think is great. And I'm, I'm really grateful yeah. for so much of it. But yeah, it's... um it's taken a toll. And it's also allowed us to have really important conversations about, you know, Connor speaking up for his needs and like how his desires have been trampled on. Hey, like we used to talk about mm. other women in bed and we used to like do these things together. And now that really big part of our relationship just is seemingly gone. And I don't know if you're ever going to want to do it again. And so just really vulnerable, honest conversations have come forward. And what yeah. I think that I'm realizing is like, we're just in another chapter. And it's like, you renegotiate in every chapter of your life. You know, things look different. Six Ideally, ago, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I think it's just strengthened our communication and also our compassion for the other person and what they're going through and just really being in listening yeah. of how can I support you? I know that we're having very different experiences, but how can I show up for you and what you need and also honor mm. myself at the same time? Yeah. I wonder if you have any like tips for that. Cause I, I feel like when, when one person or both are in like that high stress survival mode, like the part of our brain that's responsible for like connection and empathy is not super active. And so it's really hard to hold space for someone else's needs and desires when you feel like you're going through crisis. So like, obviously I don't want to say like, well, he should just shut up and not tell you that he's like struggling and building resentment. But like, I wonder what was helpful in being able to like hold space for 
him saying like, hey, this is also affecting me while like you were having a time. Yeah. I mean, I did tell him that I was like, I don't care about what you need and what's wrong with you right now. Like, just shut the fuck up. And yeah, which is very much like survival state, like brain. Yeah. Part of that brain shut off. Yeah. And I think that at that time, like that was a valid point for me. I think the thing that we learned is that I have a really great friend group that I lean on and I'm, I'm super open with and that I go to, and he hasn't leaned on his friends the way he needed to. And I have to like almost beg him or coerce him to call his buddies to just talk. And I just finally told him like, look, I can't hold this for you. I can't even hold myself right now. I am barely alive. So I need you to go talk to somebody else. I need you to figure this out. I need you to get support because I just, I can't, I can't process it. I can't hold it. And so I think that that was really important because he, he needed to be heard, but I couldn't be the person to hear him. Like, I don't fucking care that you want to have a threesome or that you're curious about another woman right now. Like you can suck a dick. It's not, it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm not sexual. Did you want to? Would he be down for sucking a dick? Yeah, definitely not. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that was like really hard. But at the same point, we started therapy shortly thereafter, which was really helpful because he yeah. was able to take what he was feeling to the therapist while I sat there mm-hmm. and I was able to hear him and vice versa. And we had yeah. a mediator. I mean, as you know, this is what you do, but like we had yeah. a mediator basically <laughs> to like hold that space for us and say, Connor, are you hearing what Kelly is saying? Are you hearing the emotion coming through? What does that mean to you? And same thing for him. And we were able to really see how we just kept missing each other. It was like, we were trying these things and doing these things. And it was like, we were speaking different languages. And so Mm -hmm. being in therapy and obviously me coming off hormones and being more stable helped, but like finding that equilibrium was really helpful for us to start speaking the same language, being more on the same page um, and having conversations around, you know, what was really coming up and not blaming the other person, just saying, like, I like to preface things with him because he tends to get very defensive because of his childhood. I say, hey, this isn't about you and this isn't your fault. I just need to like express how I'm feeling. And whenever I preface it with that, he's so open to the conversation. He's emotionally available, blah, blah, blah. But if I come in guns a blazing, like you fucking did this and you weren't here for me this way. He's like, whoa, bitch. And like freaks out. Yeah. Despite your childhood, I don't think most people that doesn't leave most people open to like receiving feedback. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) And so we've just learned how to like communicate better and what the other person needs. And yeah, so it's been a goddamn roller coaster, but we're still here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got through it. Like anything that you think helped you, like you said, the friends and support system was yeah. key and the thing. Yeah, I think that was for me, that was everything. Um, and yeah. then Connor did a really good job of like, because I just didn't want to work out. And I'm a former athlete. I work out like five or six days a week. That's it sounds like your whole part. identity, you had a whole identity shift. Yeah. And it's like everything sh- you thought you knew about yourself was like changed. Yeah. And it's a huge part of my mental health, right? It's to like be able to work out and process and move my body. And that really matters to me. And then I just, I couldn't do that. And so he would lovingly nudge me to be like, Hey, come down to the gym. Why don't you stretch? Like, why don't you ride the bike while I do this? Cause I couldn't really do anything taxing, but I needed to move my body. I needed to have some sort of yeah. routine because, you know, I veered definitely towards depression and anxiety. And so if I'm not doing things that make me feel good, whether it's taking a bath or working out or yeah. going for a walk, then I'm just going to go spin in my role, you know, my cycle yeah. and I'll be able to get out of it. And so he was able to sort of pinpoint that and say, Hey, let's go do this thing. Or, Hey, let's go for a hike in the mountains. And, um, let, let me take you to go get coffee. And so I think those things, just having a partner 
lovingly nudging you back into who you are and what they know makes mm. you feel good, I think is really important. Um, yeah. But and yeah, I think, I mean, hard. that could be applied to for sex stuff as well. Like, I think not to say you should, if you're going through this and experiencing like struggles with libido and desire and arousal that you should like force yourself to have sex. But I think like finding some kind of accountability space, whether that's sex coaching or sex therapy, or like a lot of people do like womb work healing to like have someone help you like move your body, get back into maybe like a self-pleasure practice. I wonder how that would have done for like healing, even mm-hmm. though it felt like you didn't want to do it. Yeah. Cause and I definitely- after you, after you moved your body and worked out, you might've felt better. Right. Yeah. And I definitely got back into a self-pleasure practice, even when I wasn't wanting to have sex. I just like Mm. needed space and needed things on my terms and wasn't, wasn't available to like put on a show or like be hot, but I could be with myself, (sighs) you know? And I think that that makes so much sense though. Cause you're, you're having someone like, you're basically like invading your body and like medical trauma of like having to inject yourself with hormones, like having things that feel out of control. So I could understand why you would want something to just be yours and like not feel like more people are doing things to your body. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't even feel like I was in my body. Like I felt completely out of body in the entire experience. So like the idea of pleasure when you're in that state is really difficult. And just to be able to relax and like, calm down to have an Mm -hmm. orgasm or to like feel connected. It just, it took me a long time. It took a lot of baths and a lot of just, you know, grace with myself and like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like I had chronic illness for 15 years. So I know what it's like to be disconnected from my body and like on drugs Mm. and the whole thing. And I also know what it feels like to be extremely connected. And so I was able to just make that correlation and say, Hey, you've been here before. This is temporary going to be okay. Like do the things that make you feel good. And that's all you can do right now. And just don't beat yourself yeah. up as hard as that was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it sounds unbelievably like tumultuous, but I hear that like now things are starting to shift. How, how is it feeling now that you're starting to get back into your body? It's good. It's, um, it's weird. Like I feel really big. Um, which yeah. people see me, I'm six one. So the way I carry a pregnancy is very different than someone who's shorter than I am. Um, yeah. They're like, you're not big. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, but I feel huge, right? Like my hips expanded. I have a stomach. My boobs are ginormous. Like I'm not a big boob yeah. person, just all these things. And, yeah. and so my own body experience is that I feel really big. Like I don't fit into a lot of my clothes. And when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, this is so different. And does that feel like, does that feel like neutral? I feel big or is it like, oh, it's hard to be in a body that doesn't feel like mine or like some, like not feeling both. good about your body. It's yeah, kind all of the, both, all the above. All of it. Yeah. yeah. It depends on like what mood I'm in this morning. I woke up and I was just feeling really low and I just was like, oh my God, like I'm huge. Like, am I even attractive? And then I took a shower and I got ready and I started feeling better. And then I put on like a cute dress and, you know, did my hair and makeup. I'm like, okay, I am myself. I am in my body. I'm expanding because I'm growing a baby. This is awesome. And so it just like sort of switched. Um, I had an eating disorder on and off, like starting at 19. And so this will definitely trigger that for sure. Yeah. So when I first was gaining weight, um, I just don't weigh myself anymore because it's just such a trigger. Um, You know, even this many years later, it's just like, also who cares what the scale says? I've learned that, but 
um, when I was first gaining weight, I started panicking because I just, I just don't gain weight. Like I just take care of myself and I'm, you know, doing the thing. And I had to really sit with what does it mean that I'm gaining weight? It doesn't mean that I'm not taking care of myself. It means that I'm taking care of myself and I'm literally growing a human. And so I just had to sort of use my tools and resources and also rely on my therapist to sort of walk through like what that means about me. Um, yeah. And so that was really helpful. And that was really just a couple weeks. And then ever since then, I've been pretty solid and in, in feeling good. I think it's just funny having sex being bigger because like I looked at, like even like I go to like shave my vagina in the shower and I'm like, I have to like lift my stomach <laughs> yeah, back a little bit can't. to like see my pussy. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you um, found a good position for that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, put your leg up on this little stool and you know, the whole thing. But it's like, I'll be like sitting on top of my husband having sex. And I like look down and it's like, I can't see his dick anymore because my stomach is like down over it and my boobs are yeah. hanging down. He's like, oh my God, your boobs are so big. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like we laugh about it and he's been so great about it. Anything that's helpful in the moment to like bring you, bring you back to the moment when you get pulled out by like pregnancy belly yeah totally and i mean i've had girlfriends tell me like oh honey just wait until the third trimester i was having my having sex with my husband he was behind me fucking me on the sink and he was holding on to my stomach and the baby kicked his hand and he started <laughs> screaming it was like the baby fucking kicked my hand i can't do this anymore <laughs> i'm like that's what yeah I'm that's not for. the <laughs> not the threesome that i asked for no exactly <laughs> You know, so, but I think other than that, like, I definitely feel in my body. I feel like myself, I, other than like being down sometimes or crying over yeah. puppies and things like that, like, I feel really stable and secure. And um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Every day is different, but yeah. Anything that you found that you especially like, like now or are like, like differently or like, yeah, what positions have been maybe better? Um, him behind me, like laying on our sides is really great. Um, I just immediately went to that to knocked up the, yes, the movie. Exactly, <laughs> that's literally the position they found that was comfortable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. must be a thing. He, he was like, "Let's practice this. I feel like this can be really good when you're like really big in the third trimester." So we've got that one nailed down. Um, but yeah, I mean, we like we had couch sex yesterday. It was fine. Like everything is, I don't know, seemingly the same. Like we had anal sex last week. It was great. You know, I was saying earlier I have great stories about sex but I was going down on him two weeks ago and I threw up on his dick twice but didn't tell him while I was doing it because <laughs> I was not? trying to Why not, not? <laughs> no. I was like, we had been we hadn't had sex and <laughs> I had been feeling bad about myself and oh, no. I just was like trying to be connected and and he was like I like to feel kind of slutty when I'm having sex you know and like so, uh, what does that what does being slutty mean to you obviously like, i love sluts like having podcast. like my head shoved down on his dick or having him like uh -huh. say like dirty talk all that stuff and yeah yeah he knows that and i appreciate that and so he was really trying hard because it's like i've become this like matron you know i'm like carrying a child so he's like trying to make me a whore again and i'm like yeah you're God. still a, you're a mom and a slut yes yes and so he like grabs we're like kissing or whatever and he grabs my head and like pushes it down to his dick and I start going oh, down on him and I throw up every day the first trimester like and I still sometimes will just throw up when I'm brushing my teeth like my gag reflex is like on fire but I didn't even think about it so I'm going down on him and all of a sudden I just like vomit a little bit and I'm like 
oh my oh, god what do i do no. and he's like enjoying it and i'm like shit 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 no. and i'm like okay just keep going swallowed it did it again oh god and i was like oh my fucking god and so then he pulls me up and starts kissing me i'm like he's gonna taste the vomit that was just all over his dick that i just swallowed this is not hot and then he like puts me on top of him and then like he wants like he puts his dick inside of my vagina and my vagina's super dry and i'm like i need lube and then he puts it in my butt and but then i have to pee and it's just like this whole thing and i'm like so many logistics yes and it's like I couldn't relax because it's like, I'm thinking about how I have to pee because there's a baby pushing down on my bladder as well as there's a dick in my vagina and then in my butt and how I've just thrown up twice and my husband doesn't know. And I just want to be hot. And I'm like, what, when the fuck did my life become this? I'm like laughing, but this also fucking sucks. This sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. But then the best part is I posted that video because we talked about this on our show. Okay, babe. Wait, what did he say when you told him that you peed so on I waited, so, so literally after it happened, we're laying there and I'm just kind of giving him a look and he's like, I feel like you have to tell me something, but you know that I don't want to know. And I was like, that's uh. exactly right. He's like, I'm just going to go. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, shit, do I tell him? Do I tell him? So I asked my girlfriend the next day on her podcast, I told her the story and I'm like, okay, but I need your advice. Like, do I tell him or not? Because I don't want him to never want me to go down on him again. Like, I don't want to scar him for life. And she's like, you got to fucking tell him. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell him live on the podcast tonight when we record. Oh so my I God. Literally for the gram, do it for the gram. Yeah. And I'm telling him this story and he's like, you can tell, you know, when someone's bracing themselves for like, where the fuck is this going? And I tell him and he's just like, oh my god like so disturbed and felt so bad for me and it was really really funny i highly recommend listening to that episode uh, it's called pregnancy sex but he was great uh, and so that's how i told him but i wonder like at what point during do you pause or like i think this is something i don't know how you feel about this but this is something that i try to like help a lot of the couples that i see and, and in my own relationship too because it's difficult it's like that check-ins during sex don't have to be unslutty or unsexy totally. and like i'm trying to i know it doesn't feel sexy but i'm trying to think of a way to, to be like hey actually that angle is like bothering my throat or like can we po you know like actually this that angle where you're fucking me like kind of have to pee like you know that to, to really normalize that 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 can be like sexy and slutty and not necessarily take you out of the moment but i think to me almost it allows it to come back to the moment more because yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of that phrase like name it to tame it right not yeah. that you have to say like yo i just puked on your dick twice but exactly. being like hey like this is something about this position can we try a different one then you're able to like shift into something that actually feels good so you can enjoy it yeah. so like at, at what point do you think for you you would be like we need to shift the position or like do something else yeah i mean i do that all the time this was the one occasion where i was like i don't I don't want you just to like wanted to be slutty. Yeah. Man, like, I'm just trying to get yeah. fucked and that's it. Yeah. And it was had nothing to do it. with me. Um, but I like, there are many times where like, I'm fucking dry. I need to go get lube. Please stop. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to pee. Like I have to go, I have to stop to go pee. Like this is just mm -hmm. where we are. Um, or, yeah. you know, or shit, I, get a, get a throw for your bed and just pee right there. If you're yeah, and he was <laughs> like, he wanted to have anal sex, like, I don't know, a month or six weeks ago. And I was just really tender that day and it just didn't feel good. And I was like, no, like, we're not doing that. And we just did something else. And so we have those conversations a lot and it just 
it doesn't derail things, but I did feel like yeah. if I stop this right now and then I have puke in my mouth, like obviously that's going to derail things. And I, I'm just not in the mood for that. Um, yeah. But I do feel like people need to speak up for themselves because like whether you're pregnant or not, there's always going to be something that's like uncomfortable yeah. or you thought you liked and you end up not liking or, mm -hmm. hey, this just like doesn't feel good today, whatever. Right. Um, and it's so important to acknowledge that. But like you said, you don't have to derail it. You can just be like, can we try this position? Or I really want you to do this to me. Like guys also yeah. like direction and they want to please you. So if you can guide them in that way without being like, you suck at this thing, then, you know, it can go really <laughs> right. well. Yes. Better to say it, better to say it as like the compliment or the thing that you want. So yeah. and we don't always do this, you know, easy for us to say, like sitting over here, not in the moment, but like, instead of being like, Hey, uh, you fucking suck at that. Like you said, instead of being like, Oh, I actually really love it when you do this. Ooh, mm -hmm. like, yeah, more and more and more. I think, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna help the person receive your, your feedback a lot better. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like um, you're wanting to keep things like closed for a time, like monogamously speaking? Um, and like, yeah, how's that? How does that feel? Yeah. So we've closed our relationship um, until, you know, after the baby comes and it feels hard in a way because I do have a lot of desires. It's kind of confusing. Like I would really yeah. like to be with a woman and I would like to have that experience with him. But we were talking about it, you know, a while back and he's like, you're just so pregnant now. Like if we had someone that we were like steadily doing this with that we knew that was comfortable, then I think that would make sense. But because my emotions can be all over the place and like I lack trust sometimes, it's like that primal, mm. I want my husband for myself and no one else thing. There's that. Yeah. And then there's also, I'm really pregnant. And so for someone to come into that, that's kind of, it's fucking weird and awkward for most people um, mm -hmm. if you don't know the people really well. And so we were just like, look, like this is a closed time for us and that's what we're doing. Um, yeah. And we're having great sex by ourselves, which is super fun. And then, you know, after the baby comes and we'll just like reevaluate, reevaluate where we are. Um, but I foresee yeah. us going back to some semblance of it. I'm not I'm not stupid um, or naive to think that having a baby isn't going to change things 100%. Of course it will. But I still want to acknowledge my own desires and who I am as a woman and the things that turn me on and also the partnership that I have with my husband and his desires. And I think we have a really great thing going. I think it's just going to take, you know, babysitters and help and yeah, sex positive, ba sex positive babysitters who are yeah. like, you can call up and be like, hey, we have a three way plan this weekend. Not sure what time we're getting back. Like, can you watch yeah. the baby? Yeah. So, I mean, I just, you know, we, we've created a life where I think everything is possible. Um, and yeah. we just get to, That's cool. you know, be in baby bliss and then see where we are next summer and go from there. Have you had any like desires that have surprised you at all? Or does it feel like similar to the stuff you liked before? Yeah, no, everything, I would say everything's pretty the same. I think the one thing is that we had a threesome this year that was really interesting for me because I've always had this fear that someone's going to come in and she's going to be way more into Connor and then I'm going to be left out. And we've talked about it a lot. And so most of the women that we've been with have either been more into me or pretty equal. Um, and so it made, it's made me feel more comfortable. And we were with somebody and she was very much clearly more into Connor and she had never been with a woman. And I don't really even think she's bisexual. I think she was just like, cool, like maybe I'll try this thing. And yeah. 
I was totally fine. Like I really didn't participate mm. that much. I was just like there and watching and like in it, but not like physically in it. And yeah. it felt good. And you were more fine with it than you thought you would be. Yeah, I was totally fine. And like she left because she stayed with us for the weekend and then she left and Connor and I were, you know, doing her recap after. And I was and he's like, How do you feel? I'm like, shockingly totally fine like nothing about that bothered me I thought it was great um at one point I like sent him downstairs to like start having sex with her before I was even down there like all these things that I kind of had chalked up to being like absolutely not like that's so scary like I will never let you and then it happened and I was like this is fucking great um so I think that's interesting and I think that's just me being more secure in myself but also in us and yeah. trusting him and knowing that he knows our boundaries. He knows what I am and I'm not okay with. And he's not trying to be disrespectful or, you know, push anything um, to make me uncomfortable. So I think it's really cool to be able to come to that point. Cause I remember when I wouldn't even let yeah. him kiss anybody else. And <laughs> that was yeah. weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely talk about this on the show, but I'd love to hear your perspective. Like what was most helpful in like getting to that place or, or gaining the resources, it, addressing and internalizing how to work through that jealousy to get to a place where you were like, actually like this was okay. Yeah. Well, whenever I, feel resistance to something I always ask myself why and I really let myself sit with it it's like what are you resisting what's your fear here um and I had this abandonment fear for a long time like he's gonna leave me for someone else and like if they're if they're more into him then then he'll choose her and yeah she's a better partner or whatever yeah and so I just had like these fears and I sort of just we had a lot of conversations about it and I was just really honest with him and he would yeah. share from his perspective. Cause I would put thoughts in his head that he wasn't having. And he's like, I've literally never thought of that before. I'm like, what, of course you have, what do you mean you haven't thought of that? And he's like, Kelly, I do, it doesn't cross my mind that like, Oh, she's hotter than my wife. I'm definitely going to leave Kelly for her. I'd rather build a life with this person. He's like, I literally never think that I'm just like, this is hot. They're hot together. This is fun. Yay. <laughs> like He's like, it doesn't go anywhere beyond that. <laughs> That's like like those memes where it's like, what is he, he's like laying down. It's like, what is he thinking about, you know, and like obsessing. And he's like, he's like, what helps make a tractor go? Like, like, (laughs) and they're just so surface level, but like, cool, two pussies and four boobs. Like, this is fun. (laughs) And like, that's what he tells me. And so I've had to really realize, like, I have to trust him because he's proven that over and over again, that that's the situation. And so I think just having those conversations, being honest, and then asking myself, what is it that you are really fearful of right now? What's scaring you? And oftentimes I'm scared of things because I'm going to enjoy them. And that freaks me out because it's different and new. And so allowing myself to sort of be in fantasy about it. So I've had like a lot of self-pleasure practice is around being in pleasure while thinking about the things that really scare me. And Mm -hmm. does it, do I go to a place where I'm like, nope, this is just still a no for me. Like, I'm just not okay with it. Or do Mm -hmm. I go to a place where it's like, wow, that really turns me on. And maybe this thing never actually happens in real life, but I can fantasize about it and desire and talk to Connor about it. And it can be a part of our relationship dynamic, but it doesn't necessarily ever have to happen. And this is something that I feel like he and I had talked about a lot where it was like, I want you to like fuck someone downstairs while I'm upstairs and then I'll come down and join you. Like I want to watch you with somebody else and like not really participate. And we've had those conversations so many times. So then when it was going on, I was like, I know this turns me on. This feels really good. I just wasn't in my head about it at all. I was like fully in my body, like 
yes, this feels good. This is pleasurable. I'm safe. I trust this. So it was really nice. Yeah. I mean, I also think to me, that's kind of the ideal is like, yeah, I think it's important to have some structure and like share what your boundaries are, what you think they might be and have those conversations. So it's not just like you don't talk about what feels okay and what doesn't feel okay. But to me, what's more important is like the core foundation and communication skills and like nervous system regulation, because and then the willingness to actually try things because fantasy doesn't always match behavior, right? There, on the flip side, there might also be things where you're like, "I'm gonna love this," and then like with the the four way, right? And then you're and then you're crying while you're sitting on somebody's face, and you're like, "Well, fuck, this is not what I expected," right? So I think it's important, yes, to have some of that foundation, but to me, the key is like the the nervous system regulation and the communication skills, and then the willingness to try things Mm -hmm. and being okay with things not going well and trusting that you can work through that. And I think that's really scary for a lot of people, but that's, I think, more ideal because then you're actually trying it on and seeing in practice what it feels like, and then you can trust that you can manage whatever feelings come up afterwards. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think there's just so much... People, you know, we get people asking about this all the time, obviously. And the thing that I always say is like, you have to have such a strong relationship with yourself and a strong relationship with your partner so that when things inevitably do go wrong and someone's feelings get hurt or it goes too far for someone, even though they agreed upon it, like that you can hold each other in that and do so without judgment and shame. Because if you can't do that, then this is not the lifestyle for you. Like you have to be really honest with yourself and your partner and have that foundation and be open to hard conversations and know that it's not always going to be butterflies and rainbows. And also the person that you're inviting into your relationship needs to have some sort of stability and foundation from the two of you so that they're not coming into a fucking shit show and then being used and abused and then kicked to the curb like, oh, well, you didn't do it the way we wanted or, oh, you didn't fix our relationship. Yeah. And it's like, that's not their fucking job, you know, and they're, they're people with emotions and like they have desires too. And I think I've heard this from a lot of girls. I've never been the third, but they've said like, yeah, I've just been like used and abused. Like this couple of unicorn hunters. Yeah to fulfill their fantasy and no one ever asked me what I want. No one ever makes sure I'm okay. And I'm just, that's not okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is stuff that I wish like monogamous couples also practiced as well. You know, I think these are skills that should be for all partnerships. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately I think oftentimes this is only something that gets addressed when people are opening up because it's sort of encouraged and this is what's talked about, but like everyone should be fucking checking in about this stuff, even if you're not opening up. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, right? So we're closed right now. We're not bringing anyone else into our relationship. We still share our desires with each other. So we're in a monogamous relationship right now where we talk about other women. Connor sends me pictures of girls that he thinks that I'll like, you know, we get to like Mm -hmm. talk about people and different desires and fantasies. And it allows our sex life to be so much better because it's, it's an infusion of novelty and just something different and Mm -hmm. it allows us to both express ourselves and I think that that's so much of what I missed in monogamous relationships in the past and I know same thing for him is like you just miss out on fully expressing yourself in whatever that is and just being heard like we're people we're going to be you know just as Fandieri talks about this all the time we're people we have desires we're going to be attracted to other people men women whatever why is it wrong for us to say that? Connor talks about attractive guys all the time. He's not into men at all, but he's 
talks about it and I, he talks about women and same for me. It's like, can we not acknowledge that someone is good looking? Does that mean our marriage is going to fall apart because so-and-so has a great ass? Like, when did we decide that that was, well, she has a great ass. So that means I'm a loser and my husband doesn't want me. Like how, how did we get there? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately that's a whole nother podcast, but I like know. so many reasons, including that like most women were taught to like compete against each other and that there's like, and then capitalism that there's like a clear winner and a loser. So either mm-hmm. you're, if you ain't first or last yeah. kind of value. Well, I feel like in that vein, being with women has actually really healed so many of those wounds for me because I remember Just the same thing. Yeah. Like early yeah. on, like I've always been really hard on myself about my body. Like I said, I had an eating disorder. My body has been my vessel and the way I get attention from a very young age as an athlete, as a TV host. And so I would just pick apart everything. Like if I gained a pound, if I had cellulite, this, that. And I remember the first few times I was with other women, I was looking at them and they had, you know, dimples or, you know, weren't airbrushed like a fucking Victoria's Secret model. But I saw them and I was like, you're perfect. Like, Mm. you're so beautiful. You're so perfect. And then it started triggering things in me of like, well, you have rolls and you have cellulite and you have stretch marks. Why are you not perfect then? Why are you less than or not okay? And so it helped seeing other women helped me see myself more clearly. And it allowed me to judge myself less because I was never judging any of these women. I'm like, you're amazing. You're so hot. Like, this is awesome. Why can't I look at myself in the same way? And so it really shifted that competition of, yeah, she does have a great ass and great boobs and this and that. And I feel awesome about myself too. And now we get to be naked together. And isn't this fun? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. That is a perfect place to start wrapping up. (laughs) Um, So thank you for sharing all of this so vulnerably. And I'm also just like, I love that you share this so openly on your shows as well. This is like the kind of stuff that people need to hear so they don't feel alone. So thank you for being willing to do that and share your dick vomit stories (laughs) in the IVF journey. My pleasure. I'm really excited to see what the title of this episode is. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. There's so many, so many good nuggets. I, it will be hard to choose. Um, how can people follow what you're doing? Check out your podcast collective um, or network rather. And yeah, all the things. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Kelly T. Moore and Soulfire Productions Co. And then my website is kellymore.co and soulfireproductionsco.com. And then um, Connor Nice Podcast is okay, babe. And you can listen to that anywhere. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Every now and then I'll do a TikTok at Sluts and Scholars, but very, very infrequently. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts uh, or at slutsandscholars.com. And please don't forget to rate and review, preferably a nice one. Um, it's always helpful. And don't forget to check out the advertiser discounts. Thank you so much. Sluts and Scholars.